just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Wednesday. We're moving through the week. A lot of revelations this week. Of course, the big news is that uh, Donald Trump's home in Mar-a-Lago had been uh, raided by the FBI. Now I know there's a lot of people out there talking semantics. Well, it wasn't really a raid. It was just an executed search warrant. Look, If you're sitting in a house, whether you're there or not, and a hundred FBI agents show up, hand you a search warrant, and then start tearing apart your house, I don't care if you call it a raid or not. It's not a good thing. So don't talk to me about semantics. It looks like a raid to me. I got to tell you, my only experience with this is a story I told you once before, back when we were during COVID and I was selling these these, uh, medical masks, perfectly legally, everything normal. And I was online a lot on LinkedIn and stuff, and I was talking about all these scammers out there. Well, one day I'm sitting at home. My wife is teaching class on a computer because it was COVID. I was taking a shower. FBI knocks at our door. Two people. That's all that showed up. Two people showed up. Now, they were standing outside waiting to talk to me. They weren't coming in the house trying to look for anything. They didn't even appear to be mad at me. But I got to tell you, when I'm drying off in the shower and I know there's two FBI agents that want to talk to me, well, that will fuck you up. That will scare the shit out of you. It scared the shit out of my wife. Now, of course, when I went out there and we got talking, they weren't looking at anything that I did that was wrong. They were looking at some insights about some other people doing things wrong. And because I talked about it on a video on LinkedIn that I talked to a lot of scammers, they were looking for some help. But again, like I say, FBI knocks on your door for whatever reason. It fucking messes with you. Now, in my case, it wasn't a big deal. Donald Trump's case down at Mar-a-Lago, even though he wasn't there, it's almost even more scary when you get a phone call and say, Hey, Donnie, listen, man, we got 100 FBI agents in your home searching for shit. That's almost scarier to not be there. And I have to think... They intentionally went there when he wasn't there. Knowing that Donnie Trump could get a little fucking unhinged, you gotta, you got to imagine they wanted things to go as smoothly as possible. Apparently, they coordinated it with the Secret Service who was there. And, you know, what's the Secret Service going to say? No, you can't come in? Well, you're not stopping us. We're doing it. So they kind of let them in and, and help them do what they are going to do. So nonetheless, there are people out there that want to call it a raid, people that say it's not a raid. I don't give a fuck. A hundred FBI agents went to Donald Trump's house to search for the criminal things that he is fucking doing. I'm good with that, regardless of what you want to call it. So we're going to talk more uh, about the raid, of course. That's the big news. But before we do that, I have uh, an email that I want to read. I always read the emails first, and that's what we're going to do here today. I have one email. It's a long one. Starts out, hi, Mike. This is Ted, your clergy friend. 
Now, you, you maybe remember Ted. He and his wife, Jen, have been on the show before. They've been guests on the show. They send a lot of emails and such. They're very uh, connected and very uh, um, participatory in the Rational Boomer podcast, and I appreciate it immensely. Anyway, he goes on to say, this is probably too long to read on the air, but just food for thought for you and your podcast. I was thinking about the implications of the Kansas vote not to remove abortion protection from their constitution, and it reminded me of the personhood movement, which took place around 10 to 11 years ago. First off, he said, this is probably too long to read on the air. Well, Ted and all of you, as I've told you before, this is my show. We're going to do whatever the fuck we want. There ain't no rules. There ain't no man or woman with a suit standing behind me telling me what I can and can't do. You're fucking right. We're going to read the whole thing. Because what my listeners say matters. And they deserve to be heard. And they're very intelligent. And they have some interesting insights and different perspectives. So, of course, we're reading it. Some anti-abortion folks got together and in realizing, at the time at least, Roe was not going to be overturned and any anti-abortion legislation that went against Roe would be struck down by the courts decided to take a different approach. Their idea was to work for a constitutional, uh, constituent, no, he's saying constitution. I'm just reading that wrong. Constitutional revisions via the citizen ballot proposal method, which many states have in place, including Kansas. Now, they chose Mississippi as a test case, and I think a few other states as well. Their idea was to pass an amendment to the Constitution through a ballot process versus legislative, which would declare in the state Constitution that life begins at conception. As soon as conception occurs, the fetus is treated like any other person. Now, the personhood amendment would have had a dramatic effect on so many laws, as you could imagine. People who have have used IVF could possibly be prosecuted if they don't implant all their eggs. Women and medical people assisting them who miscarried could be drugged through a process to see if they were at fault for it. Have to go to court and see <laughs> if it was your fault. A car accident that causes a miscarriage of a very new fetus could end up with the person at fault in the accident being prosecuted for vehicular homicide, including, if at fault, the mother. There are always unintended consequences, aren't there? I think the whole country was very surprised the amendment failed rather easily in Mississippi in 2011. There were hundreds of anti-abortion folks from all over the country in Mississippi promoting the amendment, putting up signs, buying the media time. But it didn't work. Here's an interesting article about the Mississippi Constitution, which currently does protect the right to abortion. Some anti-abortion folks are considering trying the amendment process again now that Roe is overturned, or should I say left up to the state, because that's really what it was, and simply want to remove the right to abortion from the state constitution. I look for similar efforts all over the nation, unless the surprising result from Kansas scares off people. And you make a good point, Ted. And there will be states like Texas and maybe Florida who will overturn it. But there are those situations like Kansas, clearly a red state, and the... uh, 
people that overturned Roe v. Wade were really thinking, they were really confident that Kansas would just do what they wanted them to do and uh, outlaw abortion in Kansas. But that didn't happen. That had to take them by surprise. That had to make them nervous. What happened here? Well, what happened here is that we know that 65 to 70 percent of the people in this country support Roe v. Wade. Democrats aren't the only people that find them in situ- themselves in situations where abortion is the only choice they have. There are many Republicans that find themselves in that situation. And of those 65 to 70 percent of the people uh, that support Roe v. Wade are Republicans. You see, this is, this is a matter of people thinking they're right and not realizing they could be wrong. And then trying to force this down the throats of everybody amongst their group, even though they might not agree with it. Well, I think they've taken it a bridge too far this time around because this impacts a lot of younger people, the millennials and the Gen Zers. People like me in the baby boomer situation is not really going to affect us directly, but it will affect the younger people. And I think they take offense uh, to a bunch of old white people taking away their constitutional rights. I think there's going to be a backlash from this, and I think it's going to be a big problem. Uh, There will be those states that continue with this Roe v. Wade and overturning it. But here's what I ultimately believe is going to happen. This whole thing will be rectified ultimately. After the midterms, after the January period where everybody takes office, um, you're going to have a bigger margin in the House, a bigger margin in the Senate, and then you're going to be able to go ahead and codify Roe v. Wade, which will supersede all these things the states want to do. It's going to fuck up their parade, and they are going to be pissed. But you know what? They're not going to have a fucking choice. If they codify Roe v. Wade, everything they're doing now is contrary to the Constitution. It needs to fucking stop. And that is going to create a shit show. But that's the only way this Roe v. Wade situation is going to be rectified. All right, let's get down to the the, uh, raid, if you will. After news broke Monday evening that the FBI had raided Mar-a-Lago, the Florida home of former President Donald Trump right-wing influencer Stephen Crowder delivered an alarming message to his nearly 2 million followers on Twitter. Sweep well, tomorrow, sleep well, tomorrow is war. Now, the next day during his show on YouTube, where he was has nearly 6 million subscribers, Crowder called for the defunding and dismantling of our intelligence agencies and the FBI over the raid on Trump's seaside mansion. He also called for a purge, imploring the GOP to get revenge. That's interesting. They're the ones screaming about Democrats saying, defund the police. <laughs> Now, now they want to defund the entire uh, legal branch of our government. That's so Republican, isn't it? Let's fuck up the country. Yeah, it's interesting that that's how they'd react. It's not surprising that they'd go over the top with their reaction. 
The next president of the United States needs to prosecute everyone, he said, needs to clean house everywhere. If a Republican gets in, investigate everybody, raid everybody, he added. Use all of it. I don't care if we become Nicaragua at this point. Really? So you're admitting you would like a dictatorship, that you would like a fascist country. That's problematic, if, uh, if I do say so myself. Now, Crowder's inflammatory rhetoric was uh, standard right-wing messaging across America on Tuesday. GOP lawmakers and MAGA influencers clamored to show their fealty to the former president after federal agents searched his home for classified information he may have taken home after leaving the White House. And we know he did it because the National Archives had to go down and get 15 boxes. But there was still more to be had, and they were negotiating uh, with the DOJ to get this stuff out of there. But Donald Trump didn't comply, oddly enough. So they said, fuck it, we're going down, we're going to conduct a raid, and we're going to grab this shit up. Then it goes on to say, are you ready, far-right influencer and Pizzagate conspiracist Jack uh, Posobiec? wrote in a series of hyperventilating tweets to his nearly 2 million followers on Twitter, the federal security state has declared war on Donald Trump Jr., or Donald J. Trump, and his supporters. Don't you, don't you just love this rhetoric that they're screaming? Lead, follow, or get out of the way, he wrote. Leviathan was awoken. Welcome to the end game. They always talk in these... These war, uh, these these ancient war terms, like they're special or like they're incredibly powerful. They're fucking cowards. That's what they are. Remember that. Monica Crowley, a former Trump administration official and Fox News personality who now hosts her own radio show, suggested it might be time for people to lay their lives on the line. This is it, she tweeted. This is the hill to die on. She's imploring her own people to go out and fucking die. Others invoked ancient Rome, like I said, ancient references. The Rubicon has been crossed, tweeted far-right YouTuber Tim Poole. Conservative radio host Jesse Kelly posted a quote from Roman general Pompey Magnus. Do not quote laws to men with swords. (laughs) I love these guys. They're so fucking entertaining. Now, the New York Young Republicans issued a statement calling for the total disintegration of the FBI and for mass arrest. Everyone involved in the persecution of Trump should be detained, the group stated, and habeas corpus, a basic right allowing defendants to protest their detention to a public, to a judge, should be suspended in order to secure our republic from insidious monsters that have wrenched it from the American people's control. And John Miller, a former host with the right-wing outlet Blaze TV, was even more blunt. Either we destroy our political enemies ruthlessly and mercilessly, or they destroy us, he wrote on Gab for his 45,000 followers. It's that simple. These right-wing invocations of violence and civil war could have deadly consequences, warned Michael Hayden, spokesperson for the Southern Poverty Law Center, a civil rights uh, organization. 
Hard right and white supremacist social influencers have pushed civil war rhetoric repeatedly since Trump's rise. Hayden told HuffPost, whenever something happens to threaten their movement, they push it again, stoking outrage for profit. All these calls for violence are unlikely to mobilize a large group without a unified event like the Unite the Right or Trump's speech on January 6th. They can certainly inspire horrific acts of violence like we've seen in places like Pittsburgh, El Paso, and Buffalo. The rhetoric is especially worrisome when it comes from candidates for public office and sitting lawmakers like far-right Marjorie Taylor Greene. This is the rogue behavior of communist countries, not the United States of America, Greene tweeted. These are the type of things that happen in countries during civil war. Representative Paul Gozar, now these are sitting members of Congress, wrote that we must destroy the FBI. Carrie Lake, the GOP nominee for governor in Arizona, who earned an endorsement from Trump in the primary, said the raid was one of the darkest days in American history and warned her followers that not a single one of us is safe. And Laura Loomer a far-right activist currently running for Congress in Florida, wrote to her followers on Telegram that it was time to take off the gloves. If you're a freedom-loving American, you must remove the words decorum and civility from your vocabulary. Loomer wrote, this is a war and it's time to obliterate the communist. This is... uh, This is pretty aggressive shit. In Pennsylvania State, Rep. Rob Kaufman shared and then deleted a Facebook post from an account called the Federalist Papers that stated, Sadly, the USA has envisioned by our founders is officially dead and we have now become a police state. Biden, the DOJ, and FBI crossed the line and now politics as usual must be dead as well. In the online MAGA fever swamps, the language was similar, if a little more direct. On Patriots.Win, the extreme pro-Trump message board, the top comment on Tuesday implored the former president's supporters to take up arms. Lock and load, it said. Well, like I said, that's pretty aggressive. There was one other comment from a guy named Dan Bongino or Bonagino or whatever the fuck his name is. He's on Fox News. He's a former Secret Service agent. And he had one line that I thought was entertaining. He said, this is some third world bullshit. He said it on the air. And then he repeated it. This is third world bullshit. (laughs) And then he looks at the camera and he says, These Democrats are laughing at us. They're thinking this is great. They are laughing at us. We must fight back. And I'll just tell you this, Dan. I doubt you're listening, but maybe somebody who knows you is and you can pass it along. Yeah, we're laughing our fucking asses off at you clowns because that's what you are. You're conspiracy theory fucking nuts and you're a joke. You're hilarious and your time is coming. Now, when you hear all this rhetoric out there, there are some people that are going to be afraid. Oh, my God, it's going to get violent. 
Well, this is more than 24 going on 48 hours since this happened. Have you seen any violence? No, you haven't. Now, I'm not saying there isn't going to be some violence that come out of it, but it will be sporadic and very isolated things with some crazy fuck doing something stupid. That's distinctly possible. But a redo of the January 6th insurrection, never going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I'll tell you why. You see, when the January 6th um, insurrectionists decided to attack the Capitol, they were in a much different situation. They had Donald Trump in office, and he was encouraging them to go after it. In fact, many of these people have said, well, Donald Trump ordered us to do it. That's why we did it. Donald Trump had control over the National Guard, the uh, Capitol Police, and he was able to pull away any threat to these insurrectionists. These insurrectionists had the advantage by numbers, and they took advantage of it when they hit the Capitol. But the world's a different place right now. After having seen the January 6th insurrection, there's a far different attitude in this country. And let's remember, Donald Trump is not the president. Joe Biden is. The people in Congress have seen this, have, have, have been scared to death with this when the attack was happening. So they're going to take a little different tack to this situation. The attorney general isn't William Barr who's just going to turn his eyes away and let anything happen. Merrick Garland is there. And he's already investigating the first January 6th insurrection. And uh, he's not going to stand around idly if we see something like that again now. And lastly, the DOD, the Department of Defense, the Pentagon, isn't being controlled by Donald Trump or some of the fucking conspiracy theorists that were controlling the Department of Defense. Now, remember, they are the ones that have the power to send out the National Guard. And they chose not to, mainly because Donald Trump told them not to. So you see, it was real easy for the insurrectionists to go do what they did because they were completely protected. And that's really the only way bullies attack something or somebody is when they know they can win. Now, if they do it today, vastly different situation. If somebody goes after the Capitol, goes after a politician... They're going to get fucking taken down, and they don't have enough people to compete. I'm, I'll guarantee you this. If they mount something against the Capitol or the FBI or something, there is going to be pushback. There is going to be a force of either the National Guard or the police or whatever. But they're going to go out there and they are going to shut them down and maybe put them down permanently. And maybe that's what it'll take. These people have to understand that they have to suffer some consequences if they do crazy shit. And if they aren't smart enough to just lay back and not get involved in this, uh, then maybe that's the only option. But understand, if they try to do what they did on January 6th or something similar to that, it's not going to go well for them. We will be ready for it, and there are going to be people... There are going to be people who are struggling or dying in this situation. And if you're ready to die for a lie, that's up to you. 
but you can't try to overthrow this government or assassinate people or kill people or threaten to hang people without consequences. And it's not going to be court cases later on. You're going to see people with guns and they are going to shoot to fucking kill if you're trying to harm this country or the people in it. I'm just telling you that. It's a much different situation. And because these people are are cowards by nature, they are not going to wade into something where they're not sure if they're going to win. They're not sure if they have the advantage. They're not going to do that. That's not what cowards do. So don't get excited or don't get taken in by all these people. Oh, it's going to be a civil war. These motherfuckers are never going to get in a civil war with us. They can't win and they are not up for a fair fight. And the fact of the matter is it won't be a fair fight because they will be overmatched from the beginning. It'll last 10 minutes and these fuckers will go crying with their tails between their legs and crawling back under their rocks ready to hide. And that's why I say sometimes maybe that's what it's going to take. I'd hate to see that happen. I don't want to see any violence. I don't think that settles anything. But there are some people that just won't give it up. And that's kind of what we're seeing with these people now. After all that's been exposed and all that's been done, there are still people that say, we're going to decertify Wisconsin. (laughs) There was election fraud. We're going to start a civil war. They apparently don't learn. They don't grasp facts very well. And I hope, I hope against hope, that we don't have to force these people to back down. But that is a distinct possibility if they're stupid. They are cowards, so I doubt they're going to do anything. If I was going to predict something happening, you might see one guy crop up like in front of like they did in front of uh, Kavanaugh's house or at the FBI field office or whatever. You're going to see crazies that crop up. But as a group, they're smarter than that. They, they they don't have the courage to fight a fair fight because they know they can't win. So don't get too worried about it. I mean, you would think after what happened with the raid that they'd be out fighting right now, but they're not, are they? They're not doing anything because they're gutless. They're cowards and they know what's going to happen. At best, they're going to get thrown in jail. At worst, they're going to be risking their lives. Some people will say to me, well, you're talking about violence and stuff like that. I've said this before. Say it again. If somebody came from a different country and tried to overthrow our government, what would we do? We'd shoot these motherfuckers and take them down. That's what we would do. So... Just by virtue of these people being domestic terrorists, why would our reaction be any different? The only reason that reaction wasn't there in January 6, 2021, is because Donald Trump was in charge and he was facilitating this fucking overthrow. But that's no more. Donald Trump is lost. Now, one thing I will also tell you about this, when you hear this crazy rhetoric when you hear these threats of civil war and violence and defunding the FBI and dismantling our government and all that stuff, these aren't tough guys talking. These are people that are scared shitless. They are terrified because the worst is happening. Things are getting exposed. 
They know they're wrong and they know they're liars and they know they are criminals, but they're doing everything they can to stop it. All they know at this point is to offer up some threats, but the fact is nobody's buying into the threats. We know they're cowards. What you're seeing out of the far right, the trump the Republican sitting members of Congress, these fuckers are scared because they know that they're going to be exposed. You can see who is most complicit in January 6th. Jim Jordan's up there ranting. Kevin McCarthy's up there ranting. Marjorie Taylor Greene is ranting. Paul Gosar is ranting. Why are they ranting? Because they know they have the goods on them already. They got to create some kind of smokescreen or some cloud to cover it up. But it's not going to work. They're fucking done. This is the last flailing moments of bullies who are soon to be vanquished. And this is what they're doing. So if you're worried about another attack on the Capitol or FBI or whatever, that's not going to happen. They don't have the courage. They don't have the balls. They don't have the wherewithal or the intelligence to fucking do it. They're just ranting and raving because they're losing big. And their time of any kind of power is waning. And it will soon be gone. The same can be said for Donald Trump. Donald Trump is out there saying shit, but he's not quite as unhinged as you would expect him to be. Why is that? Well, I'm guessing, since we already heard that his legal team is already preparing for the possibility of indictments, that they're saying, Donnie, just shut the fuck up. Watch what you say. You're already in enough trouble. But I will tell you this, the last thing I'll tell you about this, this particular raid, I will talk more about it later, but in order for this raid to happen, this search warrant that was executed, the only way that happens is if Merrick Garland signs off on it. And what we know about Merrick Garland, he is overly cautious, cautious to a fault. He's going to make everything tied up nicely in a bow. Then it goes to a magistrate, and then it goes to a federal judge. It doesn't get through all of that stuff unless they know what they're looking for and they believe it is there. Now, it's interesting. I was listening to uh, uh, some other people suggesting that uh, there's more to this than the records. And I guess that could be. I mean, when you go into his home and start pulling things out, there may be other things that are criminal on different different areas that they're entitled to grab as well. But I was listening to Ty Cobb. He is a lawyer. And if you remember, he was a lawyer for Donald Trump at the last uh, impeachment. Now, he's saying... Now, this is Donald Trump's former guy. He's saying, I believe there's more to it. The records thing isn't big enough. There's something else they're going after because they wouldn't take this kind of risk and go this full, full on at Donald Trump unless there was more to it. Don't know if that's true, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. We're hearing it's about the records and all that stuff, but it wouldn't be surprising if they lied to us just to throw us off while they were doing what they're doing. I don't know what it is. The bottom line is Donald Trump's in fucking deep trouble. 
I love how these Republicans will constantly say, they're doing it for nothing. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a fucking minute. We know for a fact that Donald Trump destroyed documents, which is against the law. We know for a fact that Donald Trump took 15 boxes of documents and brought them to Mar-a-Lago, which is against the law. And we know he did this because the National Archives had to fly down there and grab these fucking things. We also know there's more that he has. It's in some basement locked with a padlock. We know that's there, and he's been negotiating with the DOJ about getting this stuff. But like Donald Trump typically does, is he's always trying to delay or bullshit or or get lawsuits or whatever. He's big on delays. And apparently the FBI and the DOJ said, okay, a fuck enough. We can't let him continue to play this game. We have the option to go down there, execute a search warrant, and grab this shit. They got tired of the bullshit, and they went in there and grabbed what they wanted. Much to Donald Trump's chagrin. He is shitting himself right now because he knows what's in there. And he knows if it is going to be something that implicates him into some bad things. Now, the records thing is distinctly possible. He's most certainly guilty of that crime. But if there are top secret things in there, if there are uh, classified things in there, we could be looking at felonies. And that's a far different thing than the Presidential Records Act. And if he does have these top secret documents after giving 15 boxes back to the National Archive, the question is, why does he have them? Why is he unwilling to give them up? Are they things that will implicate him in other crimes? Or is it his uh, little bank account? Is he looking at espionage and selling these documents to, say, the Russians or to the Saudi Arabians or whoever? Is that what he's doing? We don't know. But he's got them for a reason. And we need to find out what that reason is. Now, the last thing I will say about this, Donald Trump and all the Republicans are saying they went down there for no reason. They didn't do anything. Well, there is a list of all the things they took out of Donald Trump's home. Donald Trump has that list. If, in fact, there is nothing, well, then Donald Trump should publish that list for everybody to see to show that he's not guilty. But he won't do that. Because that's not true. He is guilty, and he's going to yap and yap and make threats. But these people are far weaker than they were in January 6, 2021. Don't get excited about possible major violence, because I don't think that's going to happen. All right, we will take a quick break, and we will be right back. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. With the big news of the raid at Mar-a-Lago, there's a lot of smaller stories that kind of fly under the radar. You know what I mean? 
you maybe hear them, but you don't hear the whole story, and it doesn't have as much impact on you because you're so focused on the big story of the day. But this this story is a big story, and I'll explain to you why. Representative Scott Perry, a Republican from Pennsylvania, said the FBI seized his phone Tuesday morning, a day after federal agents raided former President Donald Trump's Florida resort home at Mar-a-Lago. Perry told Fox News he was traveling with his family when he was approached by three FBI agents with a warrant for his device. Now, He said they made no attempt to contact my lawyer, who would have made arrangements for them to have my phone if that was their wish, the lawmaker said in a statement. I am outraged, though not surprised, that the FBI, under the direction of Merrick Garland's DOJ, would seize the phone of a sitting member of Congress. Perry added that his phone contained information about his legislative and political activities and personal conversations with friends and family. You're appalled. You're surprised. Well, as much as you might be surprised that they would seize the phone of a sitting member of Congress, I'm equally as surprised and concerned about a sitting member of Congress being involved in the attempt to overthrow our government. I'm just saying. The fact that they didn't give you fair warning shouldn't surprise you either. Why would they give you fair warning so you could somehow manipulate your phone to try to hide some of this information that they now have. Anyway, none of this gover- none of this is government's business, he said. The lawmaker's office did not reply to a request for comment. It's unclear what investigation the warrant may be related to, but the Justice Department has been ramping up several investigations into the events leading up to the January 6th insurrection. Now, um, now I will say they they mentioned that this happened a day after the uh, the uh, search warrant on the Mar-a-Lago. I don't think it has anything to do with that, unless, as I said before, they're getting things out of Mar-a-Lago that have to do with the January sixth insurrection, and that's distinctly possible. But what I think this situation with Scott Perry really ties into is a guy by the name of Jeffrey Clark. Remember him? He worked in the Trump DOJ. He was kind of a deputy attorney general. He was lowered down. He was dealing in shit that had nothing to do with really anything. He was a low-level guy. But he was the one guy that came up with the idea of writing letters to the swing state secretary of states to tell them to stop counting the votes in 2020 because they found election fraud, which was a lie, and which Jeffrey Clark started off. Now, he wanted to do this, but he ran it up the flagpole to the AG, Rosen, and Rosen said, yeah, now we're not going to do this. And then, of course, we know Donald Trump was thinking about the possibility of firing Rosen and putting this fucking nobody clown in his AG. He would have done it, too, had had, uh, he not gotten kickback from the lawyers at the DOJ and some people in the White House and said, if you do this, this is too far, we're going to resign. So he backed off of that. So what's this have to do with Scott Perry? Well, I will tell you. 
There is no reason in the world Donald Trump would know who Jeffrey Clark is. He's a nobody in the DOJ. But the guy that introduced Jeffrey Clark to Donald Trump was Scott Perry. So since they already have the phone from Jeffrey Clark, and uh, he's in a world of hurt, it seems natural that they'd want to get the phone from Scott Perry to see how he was connected to Jeffrey Clark. I really think that's more the reason why they took his phone. You have to understand the DOJ, as much as people said they aren't doing anything, they're doing a lot of shit now. They're covering a lot of things, and they are busy as fucking little beavers. And they are investigating any number of things. The presidential record situation, uh, the January 6th committee, among other things. So this is, in my mind, it's probably not tied to the uh, to the um, search warrant at Mar-a-Lago. It could be, depending on what they got out of Mar-a-Lago. They're telling us it's about the records. I don't know that that's completely true. They won't tell us the truth. They won't tell us too much information because you just don't do that when there's an investigation. So I don't know the information we're getting is absolutely true. The Presidential Records Act seems like kind of small potatoes for the uh, FBI to go in and raid a residence. I'm not saying it can't happen. You know, I've said this before. Um, When it comes to Merrick Garland wanting to indict Donald Trump, there are a lot of issues there. It's not the easiest thing in the world because he's a former president. And I've often said this Presidential Records Act may be the one thing they focus on because it's easy. It's simple. It's very defined. And we know Donald Trump did, in fact, destroy and steal records. So it's a open and shut case. And the reason they would focus on that is because it's a relatively small um, a small punishment. It's a year in jail, $100,000 fine, and you can never run for office again. If they got to get them on something, that would be the easiest thing for them to win. And it wouldn't be surprising if they focused on that, but we don't know. But in terms of Scott Perry, it's got to be his connection to Jeffrey Clark, and Jeffrey Clark is in a world of fucking hurt at this point. So he can scream about being a a sitting member of Congress, but he's also a sitting member of Congress that helped try to overthrow this government. So I'm sorry, whatever credibility, legitimacy, or respect you once had, that's fucking gone the moment you try to destroy this country. Grand juries have issued subpoenas to senior White House officials in recent weeks, including former White House counsel, Pat Cipollone and two of his top aides to former Vice President Mike Pence. The FBI also seized the cell phones of uh, Trump election attorney John Eastman, who was kind of in that mix, too, and searched the home of former Justice Department official Jeffrey Clark, the guy I mentioned to. Now, the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago on Monday, reportedly as part of an inquiry related to classified material Trump brought with him to the resort after he left the White House. But again, just because they tell us that doesn't mean that's the facts. Perry is a vocal ally of Trump who spread lies about rampant voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election and worked to overturn the results. He served as a go-between for the White House and Clark, as I mentioned. 
a former Justice Department environmental lawyer and a key figure in the effort to keep Trump in power, as I explained. Perry, also named by Cassidy Hutchinson, a former aide to the White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, is one of the several members of Congress that sought a preemptive pardon. Hmm. You think it's strange that they want your phone, but somehow you asked for a pardon. You didn't get it, but you asked for it. Seems to me there might be a little guilt hanging over your fucking mind. There's something you have to worry about that you need a pardon for. And maybe, just maybe, it's in that fucking phone. Let's hope it is. The lawmaker has denied that claim, saying he never sought a pardon. Bullshit. The Pennsylvania Republican has refused to comply with requests for information from the House Select Committee investigating the riot, saying the panel is illegitimate. Really? How is that true? How is it illegitimate? As with President Trump last night, DOJ chose this unnecessary and aggressive action instead of simply contacting my attorneys. Yeah, sure, give them a heads up before they do it. Perry told Fox News on Tuesday, these kinds of banana republic tactics should concern every citizen. Well, you know what should concern every citizen? Some fucking sitting member of Congress who's trying to overthrow our government, try to push along this big lie of, of, of election fraud. That's where the problem is. And now that you've created that problem, you should not be surprised if you get investigated. You get electronics seized. This should not surprise you. Again, it goes back to they have all this indignation, but it's all fear because they know they're fucked. Speaking of people that are fucked, let's talk about Alex Jones for a moment. Alex Jones, the InfoWars host who has been ordered to pay tens of millions in damages for spreading lies that Sandy Hook school shooting was a hoax, may now have another problem closer to home. The far-right conspiracy theorist sent some things in his text. Now, you'll remember, for whatever reason, Alex Jones's lawyers sent the uh, parents of Sandy Hook all of his cell phone records. Now, there was a couple of things I heard about those cell phone records. We don't have anything absolutely verified, but what I'm going to tell you now is as close to verified because it's becoming from a Sandy Hook uh, parent's lawyer, the lead lawyer on that case. Now, we've heard a number of things. We've heard about text messages between Roger Stone and Mark Meadows and Alex Jones. We've even heard people claim that there are examples of child porn on his phone. I, I don't know if that's true. I keep hearing it, but I, I've never heard anything that really verifies it specifically. And there's no way to verify it specifically until they release that information. And now all those texts and the data have gone to the January 6th committee. So ultimately, we will see some things coming out of that. But the lead lawyer for the uh, for the parents of Sandy Hook said a couple of things. First, he said, in looking at these texts, those people who think that uh, Alex Jones is a central point in this insurrection, he says that's not true. He says, uh, actually, Alex Jones is more 
uh, a boring lone wolf in this situation. He wasn't a big player in this, and that's fine. But what this lawyer did say is, you know, we came across some nude pictures of his wife that he sent to Roger Stone. Well, interestingly enough, about said wife, it's his ex-wife. And that same ex-wife has offered to testify against him. So I wonder how she's going to feel about knowing that there's a nude picture of her that her ex-husband, who she hates now, sending it off to Roger Stone. That's going to be a problem. So this far-right conspiracy theorist sent an intimate photo of his wife to longtime Donald Trump crony Roger Stone, according to a lawyer from the Sandy Hook parents who won the defamation lawsuit. Attorney Mark Bankston previously revealed that the lawyers for Jones's uh, accidentally sent him two years of Jones text messages, including intimate ones. On Monday, Bankston told the Young Turks that one text contained an intimate photo of Jones's wife that was sent to far white right provocateur Stone. I'm a little concerned about it because that intimate photo was sent to Roger Stone, and I don't know that it was consensual. I'm guessing it wasn't. And if it wasn't consensual, and Mrs. Erica Wolf Jones should know about that, he continued, and there might be something that needs to be done about that, then again, it could be totally consensual. Yeah, I don't think so. But when I see that, I don't see any indication that it was. I'm concerned something might not be on the up and up with that. There are certainly laws in certain states about that, Jones Jones said on his show Saturday that he indeed sent his wife a photo of her naked and she looks pretty good. Jones got his long-deserved comeuppance for repeated lies, of course, from the Sandy Hook school shooting massacre with a jury award of $45 million. And again, I'm just going to reiterate what I've said before, that loss of $45 million that was awarded to these parents was just two parents of the Sandy Hook shooting. Two parents. There are 20 parents that have lost children in that Sandy Hook situation. There are two more court cases coming up in September, one in Texas, one in Connecticut, where the shooting took place. And he could theoretically lose the same amount of money in those cases. And the likelihood of other cases coming after those three are certainly there. He will be sued for enough money, maybe not in one lawsuit, but in the cumulative effect of all the lawsuits that are coming. Uh, Alex Jones will be destroyed financially, personally, and in his business. And that's what should happen. He should be ground into dust, set aside, never to be heard from again. This man does not deserve to be in any form of media because he obviously is only concerned about making money for himself, and he will say absolutely anything in order to get that money. Now, legal experts and other experts are urging, or in some cases daring, Donald Trump to publish a copy of the FBI search warrant and the inventory list of the 10 cartons of classified documents removed from Marilongo's basement. 
Monday as his supporters openly call for civil war in response to what the former president called a raid. After the search, the federal agents hauled away roughly 10 more boxes, the Wall Street Journal reported. That makes the total number of cartons that the former president was storing at his Florida home approximately 25, based on the reports that 15 cartons had been retrieved by the National Archives earlier this year. Almost immediately upon news breaking that the FBI had executed a search warrant, Trump supporters went wild. They formed a convoy outside of Mar-a-Lago, and online countless threats of violence and civil war have been made. After the search, the federal agents hauled away roughly 10 more boxes. That makes the total 25, as I said. Legal experts have made it clear that they believe FBI's execution of a lawful federal search warrant is most likely in connection with a national security and counterintelligence operation, not a casual stroll into the private estate of a former U.S. president, and certainly not a political move like Trump supporters are falsely claiming. That's the interesting thing about this. They keep saying, oh, this is just political. Well, yeah, dude, but he fucking did it. He took the documents. And we know he took the documents illegally because they had to go and get the motherfuckers. Now, hours after Donald Trump said that the FBI had raided his Mar-a-Lago home on Monday, his middle son told Fox News host Sean Hannity that the former president had been working with federal authorities for months. Why do you have to work for them for months? You have these documents illegally. They ask for them. You send them back. It's quite simple. The purpose for the raid from what they said was because of National Archives wanted to, and you know, corroborate whether or not Donald Trump had any documents in his possession. Eric Trump told Hannity, and my father has worked so collaboratively with them for months. No, he hasn't. He's tried to delay it. He's tried to sue over it. He's tried to hide it. People came down to get stuff. He held on to stuff. He hasn't been working with anybody. In fact, the lawyers that's been working on this was totally shocked. I doubt that. I highly doubt that. The last part from Eric Trump, he said his father was working collaboratively for months. The dispute goes back to a couple of months after Trump left office, back to May of 2021. A little more than a month ago, you had agents at Mar-a-Lago. They were trying to get documents back, and they did not. Not being very collaborative there, it doesn't sound like. What got to the point after months and months of trying to negotiate this, that the FBI decided we're at an impasse. We need a search warrant. Crime and justice reporter Caitlin Polans explained that these were all documents in the president's possession after he left office while he was living in Mar-a-Lago. So here's the thing. They say he didn't do anything wrong, but he, we know he stole documents. They went and got 15 boxes of documents. They knew there was more, and they're saying, please give it back, please give it back, and Donald Trump did everything he could to fight it or delay it for whatever reason. So they go down there and get 10 more boxes. Clearly, this guy committed a crime, a minimum of the Presidential Records Act, at maximum, 
some highly top-secret documents, and the question is, why did he keep them? As I said, maybe he's looking at making money through espionage, or maybe he's looking at uh, blackmailing somebody with whatever document it was. But it was said that um, some of the stuff taken out of these boxes was so top-secret that they couldn't mention anything about it. Nobody could talk about it, let alone put it in the media. So there's some problems here, without question. There are some big fucking problems. All right, here's a guy we haven't heard much about lately. An Atlanta judge ordered Rudy Giuliani to testify in person before a panel investigating the 2020 election on August 17th unless a doctor can explain why Trump's former lawyer is unable to do it. Oh, poor, poor Rudy's now too sick to move. He's too infirmed. He fought this tooth and nail. He did not want to testify. And why? Because he has to do it under fucking oath. And if he lies, he's in some deep trouble. Fonnie Willis down in Fulton County in Georgia isn't fucking around. She was delayed by Giuliani many times, but she took it through the process. She won. Now Giuliani has to show up. Giuliani is among those closest to former President Trump, of course. Um, the Fulton County Special Purpose Grand Jury has subpoenaed him. He was originally ordered to testify today. Now, Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney granted Giuliani about a week of additional time to travel to Atlanta after a doctor argued Giuliani could not travel by airplane following a recent cardiac procedure to to implant stents. Said he can't fly. Fonnie Willis said, fuck it, then drive. Take a bus. Take a train. You don't have to fly. Just be in fucking Atlanta. The the judge granted Giuliani's legal and medical team the opportunity to argue in detail why he needs additional time before making the trip to Atlanta. Giuliani's lawyers first attempted to shift his testimony to Zoom and also suggested district attorney staff travel to New York to interview him. Prosecutors explained that on Tuesday. However, the district attorney's office has maintained he must testify in person before a special purpose grand jury focused on the wide-ranging probe. Now, Giuliani appeared before Georgia legislatures in December of 2020 outlining all the false claims and the voter fraud and all this other bullshit, all this to call into question Biden's November 2020 Georgia victory. He urged them to appoint their own slate of presidential electors to certify a Trump victory. In the Tuesday hearing, Giuliani's lawyer, W.H. Thomas, reiterated a request that the district attorney inform Giuliani whether he is in fact a target of the investigation. McBurney urged prosecutors to do so before Giuliani's presumed testimony next week. Next up, the lawyers for Senator Lindsey Graham are expected in federal court Wednesday to fight his own subpoena before the panel, citing legislative immunity granted by the constituents' speech and debate clause. Yeah, Lindsey Graham is trying to fight it too, and uh, he's going to get nowhere on that. You know, it's funny. For two people who claim nothing happened here, I made a perfect call. 
Both Rudy and Lindsey Graham are really fighting very hard not to have to testify in Georgia. But as I've said, Fonnie Willis isn't fucking around. She's going to make them come no matter what she has to do. They are going to have to go in front of that special grand jury. They are going to have to sit under oath and they are going to have to ask questions. Now, conceivably, they could plead the fifth, but they're they're essentially admitting that they committed crimes. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But I got to tell you, if I want somebody kicking their ass, it's going to be Fonnie Willis because she, as I said, she doesn't fuck around here. So Giuliani and Lindsey Graham are fighting it tooth and nail, but they're ultimately going to have to testify in Georgia. And this is not going to be a happy day for either one of them. They both could be targets in this situation. I'm sure they want to know if they're targets because then some reason they can uh, avoid testifying, but I don't even think that's true. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But it's, it's, it's fun seeing Lindsay and Rudy Giuliani on the fucking run. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking time out of your life to sit and listen to me. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.